Welcome to the Next Level Show, where we talk with people behind Next Level ideas, products and technology that are changing the world around us. I'm Lubo Smith, the co-founder and CEO of STRV, and my guest today is Boye Fachimi, one of the co-founders of the media brand The Future Party. Boye has an interesting background being born in Nigeria, growing up in Minnesota and making the California dream of working at a talent agency and a major movie production company before starting his own business. With Boya, we started the chat talking about the Future Party newsletter that has over 160,000 subscribers. I received this newsletter as a perfect source of curated information on the intersection of business and culture. And as Boya says, it saves me a lot of time. If you need another proof, Kendrick Lamar is one of the subscribers as well. During our chat, I got an inside view into the curation of the newsletter, but we we also talked about Boya's prediction of what the future holds and what are the trends they cover most these days. I feel like this is one of the discussions we will need to do regularly. With so many great topics that Boya brought to the table, let's just dive in. Boya, thank you so much yeah. for uh, showing up. Thank hoping, you for having me. <laughs> hoping on the show. Yeah. Uh, I think that we'll have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, especially I'd like to, I'd like to uh, dive into uh, the future party yeah, and of all the cool stuff that uh, yeah. is behind it. But I, I would also uh, like to learn more a bit about uh, your background before we dive into yeah. the future party and the awesome newsletter that you guys put together. Sure. I oversee the future party. Um, we're a media brand. Uh, we have been around for almost a decade at this point, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but we started more as a community hosting events and experiences. And, and now we create content for creative professionals, uh, sort of at the intersection of business and entertainment and culture. Uh, we have a daily newsletter. It goes out to uh, over 160,000 people every day, Monday through Friday. And then we host events of all shapes and sizes from dinners to panels to parties and branded activations. So that's, that's kind of us in a nutshell. Um, more than, more than a decade, uh, yeah. long, uh, journey. Oh, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And I know Thank that you, you have, uh, some notable <laughs> subscribers of the <laughs> newsletter. Yeah. Uh, we can t- definitely, uh, talk about them too. Yeah. But, uh, how did uh, this uh, come along? Yeah, so um, I think to understand where the feature party came from, it's good to know a little bit about myself. So I was born in Nigeria and then I grew up in Minnesota and I ended up in Los Angeles sort of living the entertainment Hollywood dream. I, I used to work at a talent agency and then a big film studio and uh, what uh, myself and some of my co-founders realized was so many other young people come to LA to live the Hollywood dream. Yet at the time being a young millennial, a lot of us felt marginalized, underutilized, all the buzzwords, but you know, we saw an opportunity to create a brand celebrating that ambition and aspiration we all had, knowing that in the next five, 10, 15 years, everyone would be running various aspects of different industries. And so that's honestly how it was born. We just wanted to create a community around that sort of vibe and brand. And, you know, it started as house parties and mansion parties. And as we grew, the brand did and evolved into what it is today. Uh, If we go uh, even uh, a little bit more backwards, uh, 
Uh, how did it happen that you moved from Nigeria to Minnesota? Yeah, and yeah. And then from Minnesota to LA? Totally. So uh, my mom, she's extremely intelligent. She got a job at the Mayo Clinic which is a big, uh, prestigious I've heard hospital. of Mayo Clinic. All right, there you go. Uh, probably the most <laughs> notable name in yeah. the healthcare sector, yeah. right? It's definitely, definitely up there. And uh, the, whole, the headquarters is in Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah. And so she got a job to do biochemistry research for for a Mayo Clinic, and at the wow. time it was just her and I, and so that's amazing. Must have been like a huge thing for her, right? Yeah, yeah, it it was it was huge at the time. She's she's now gone on to do bigger and better things, but that was the thing that uh, brought us to the states. And um, you know, growing up, I, I had a lot of really cool experiences, but I think there was a part of me that always wanted to go do something more and. When college came around, I was looking at a bunch of different schools, and um, one of them where I went was called Biola, which had a film program in Los Angeles. And uh, it was a private Christian school no one's probably ever heard of. Um, <laughs> but my neighbor at the time, uh, who, uh, who uh, um, is a really good friend still, he uh, was also going to Biola, and he's like, let's go. And so us hooligans just went to LA to you know, create content and learn and have a blast, I guess. Wow. Yeah. And the rest is history. <laughs> the rest now is you history. Are here. Yeah. Um, I, I think that when I look at the, the future party today, right, you mentioned 160,000 uh, subscribers. That's already a notable uh, business, right? You have a big, uh, big user base of uh, people that are uh, receiving and reading your newsletter on a daily basis. Yep. But it was not... Uh, always like that and I wanted to ask you what was the entrepreneurial journey yeah. behind that because I I feel like for the f maybe a decent half of that time yeah. it was not like that right yeah yeah so uh, it's a great question you know I, I, I we feel very fortunate in that we turned something that was literally just for fun into a business uh, in the beginning it was literally just hey, let's throw a party to celebrate our community. And, you know, I was throwing in my money. Some of my co-founders were throwing in their money. And that's how we were investing in the future party. And it was just for fun. We were like, you know, we're just going to do this and build. And I, at, the, at the same time, I knew we were going to turn it into a business someday, but we all, we all had full-time jobs. So we'd only throw like a party once or twice a year but everyone would always talk about the events. We'd keep the community going throughout those, you know, in between. And as time grew, we started to do more events. And then uh, actually pretty much immediately, brands started to sponsor us by giving us product. But then they started giving us money. Yeah. And and that's when it be uh, becomes <laughs> a bit more interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I like to say that communities are great brands, but terrible businesses. You know, there are so many different communities that we have today, but sometimes people forget that you have to make money to fuel that community. Yeah. And so that can be subscriptions, it can be membership, it can be a whole slew of different things. For us, we felt that content would be the next evolution of our brand. That's where we could make a business model. Let's, let's, tell stories with our community, for the community, 
you know, by the community of the things that we're already doing and talking about. Um, but let's share it with the world. And, and that was kind of the onus. And so now we still, we've tested different models in the past, but where we've kind of landed is um, looking at brands as essentially curators of these experiences. So we, we don't charge our community. Brands will, spon- will sponsor or will co-produce an experience with the brand or they'll advertise in the newsletter. So it's very much like advertiser brand-led, um, which feeds into the engaged audience. Yeah, I can I can totally see that, and there's I think a lot happening in in this space yeah. with a bunch of uh, newsletters that are becoming fairly popular and are creating these communities around themselves that are targeted to like a very specific niche. Totally, right? yeah. Newsletters are having you know a moment still, and I don't think email is going away anytime soon. Uh, I think that one thing I, I like to say is the cream will rise. Right? There's so many different newsletters out there, but the ones that have real engaged audiences will be the ones to survive, you know, as we continue. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to really ask you is how you source, uh, what's the process of like putting the newsletter together on a daily basis? Yeah. Because um, I've been the subscriber for many years now. Yeah. And for me, it's shocking that. And the reason why I'm subscribed to the, news, to the newsletter is that I feel I'm getting the first hand information awesome. ahead of anybody else. Yeah. Right? Uh, like the stuff that is probably gonna get talked about in weeks or months to come, yeah. you cover. Yeah. And I'm extremely curious <laughs> to yeah. hear from you what's the secret essence yeah. to be able to do that. Because I I feel like you can do it once, you yeah. can do it uh, twice, you can do it three times, yeah. but doing it every single day <laughs> and keeping the bar high, yeah. how do you do that? Yeah, so, you know, here's, here's the deal. Uh, for us, at the end of the day, we are curating for you. We are curators. And uh, we're not only doing that, but we're also analysis. And when I look at kind of how our product has evolved, I almost liken us to like a Spotify playlist, but for, but for news and content, right? Uh, we live in such a crazy world where there's so much content, too much content. And I, I, I would say a lot of people don't really actively go on websites every morning, right? A lot of people are consuming their news on Twitter, through newsletters, whatever. Some people will, you know, will go on, on websites, but those are a specific type of individual. And so what we're doing is we're, we are creating value for you because we're, we're giving you back your time. So instead of you needing to spend hours and hours every day scouring the internet of like what's happening, we are saying we know our audience. Our audience is like you. It's like me. They are creative professionals who work at the intersection of business with the lens of what's happening in culture, entertainment, and marketing. And so because we are also that audience, we know exactly the type of content that they want to read every single day. And so we are spending the time to go out into the world and curate that content. And we end, and yeah, it's just, it's just time. It's man hours where 
we're out there. We know where to go. We know because we do it every day, we form an opinion of like the me, the kind of the tectonic shifts that are happening because we got to a point where, okay, it's not just, it's not just about telling you what's happening, right? Because there, there are other places that will just tell you what's happening. That's part of it, but it's also saying, here's how it might apply to your business. So now we're moving not just from, hey, this is the news that's happening. Now we're saying, this happened, but this is why we are telling you that it happened. This is why it's important. So now we're not only helping take the time it would, you know, we're giving you that value back of the time it would take to go on source, but we're now also helping give you the little nugget as to why. Why does it matter? So the secret sauce is we just spend a lot of time. <laughs> how how many people are involved in uh, this whole process? Yeah, so uh, man, our whole team is about 15 people now, a mixture of part-time, full-time folks. Our editorial team, we have a publishing editor, a writer, uh, an illustrator, designer, and um, basically we have that core team And then uh, we also uh, alternate and bring in writers whenever. And we have an editor as well. So, yeah. I, what I'm shocked about is that I, like every time I, I uh, read the newsletter, I feel that the information in, in that is so fresh that like uh, you can't really plan ahead that much, can you? No, we, it's, it's for us, it's like a newsroom. You know, every day, every morning, We uh, look at what's happening around the internet and then we pick the pieces and then our editorial team is working all day into the evening to pick the pick to, to write the content and then we test it and uh, it's ready to go by the morning. So, yeah. So it's basically a 24 hour window yeah. in which you have to produce the whole content end to end? Yes. There are, yes, 24 hours. But, you know, because news is fluid and there's always updates, you know, sometimes we can be late to a story, you know, two, three days, sometimes even four days old if we pre present that point of view yeah. or to that point, you know, because people are so busy, they may not even know that this has happened. Right. And so we what's great is we get some flexibility with the news cycle. But generally, we try to be as fresh as possible. So it, it, it uh, happens, maybe it happens rarely, but it happens that you have uh, something that will not make it to the newsletter tomorrow, but will make it in like two days or so. Yeah. Or sometimes maybe we find an article that came out a couple days ago, but because we know that that piece of news and content is still valuable or we have a fresh take, we'll still put it in, into the newsletter. Do you have any like uh, specifics that you uh, uh, focus on each day or it's pretty much open field uh, every single day? You know, I think it's um, it's open in the sense of, again, our thing is what's the intersection? What's the innovation? So we we speak a lot about what's happening in the entertainment industry, music, film, uh, uh, marketing, fashion. And then our intersection lens is, okay, well, how do those fields play into what's actually happening? Web3, NFTs, um, new technologies, 
um, media shifts and business models and things like that. But we also talk about the economy uh, when it's pertinent, again, to the creative professional. How can they capitalize? So if we need to talk about uh, something that's happening with um, hiring or the recession, we'll talk about that, or climate change and you know real estate or Gen Z behaviors, we'll talk about that as well. Again, our lens is giving you the information that we feel is gonna make someone do their job better. I feel like right now that you have a, a good user base yeah. uh, to distribute the content to, you can also uh, do uh, go about differently uh, with growing the user base, right? You can incentivize people to mm -hmm. refer and yeah. so on. Um, but how did you do it in the early days? Mm -hmm. How did you take it off the ground, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who was your first subscriber and how did you pitch it to yeah. uh, build the very initial yeah. uh, core community? Totally. Uh, because like between then and now, yeah. it's a lot different. Yeah, we were we were blessed in that we already had an audience through the events that we had thrown. We didn't start the newsletter until like six or seven-ish years into the business, I believe. And so we already had a bunch of people paying attention to us. We collected thousands of emails. And so we had a foundation of several thousand people um, as our first subscribers. Then we realized pretty quickly how easy it is to plateau, you know, and get to the next level. It's not easy to just get a bunch of subscribers and get them quickly. Uh, you know, even actually, um, as we started to look at different ways of growing, it wasn't until recently that we've leveraged our events as um, lead generation to the newsletter. So now if you attend any event, you're on the newsletter. Like that's just, that's your price of admission. Right? Like you're gonna get our content, you know, and, and that helps connect people to our world. And then they can go down the funnel, right? They read the newsletter. If they want to join the Discord, they'll join the Discord. If they want to somehow connect with us, they'll, they'll connect with us. Um, but along the way, there were different, you know, means of growing and scaling, right? So we have a referral program that we worked on with you, which was really awesome. It was and, fun. Yeah, it was super fun. And honestly, we, we get so many people telling us how much they love our referral program. Um, so, uh, pat on the back to us, uh, but, um, that's been awesome. And, uh, that helps anybody. And what's cool about the referral program is it compounds other channels. So if I invite somebody through another channel, the referral program helps that person invite other people. And so that's been a really fun channel for us. Our events, uh, are continued to remain a growth channel for us. We do paid on, you know, advertising wherever we need to. We do a lot of sweepstakes and giveaways. So uh, we basically have there's there's a there's a little bit of a playbook. Some a handful of newsletters use that that you know we are doing. I think where we're at is what's next. How can we like tap into the the new mediums uh, that. Uh, have engaged users and so we're always on the on the hunt for that yeah that I think that's the right uh, <laughs> mentality to have uh, yeah. when you want to serve uh, such a community totally. so th these days uh, do you still throw a lot of events or oh yeah uh, did the uh, focus uh, shift a little bit when actually uh, the newsletter took off we we do a lot of events 
uh, still our events. We've actually had the best year uh, we've had ever in, uh, in our event business. Uh, our events are bigger and better. And again, I think uh, uh, we had like a light bulb turn on for us where in the beginning for fun, we were investing into the experiences and we just got to a point where we said, we're only gonna do events if we're profitable, if we're making money, you know, breaking even, whatever, but we're not gonna invest in experiences, which was tough at first because we were building IP and we wanted to keep the community going. But if we were gonna create a business, we needed to make sure that that it was on our terms. And so uh, right now we are doing really large events with really big brands. Uh, we were at Sundance, South by Southwest, uh, Coachella, NFT NYC. We're already working on Art Basel. And um, these are really big projects and uh, we get to work with awesome brands and they, they like to work with us because we're not just like a production company, right? Um, you know, we actually have a parent company who are, who are great and they do a lot of that stuff, but we're like a media partner. So people will come to us, not just to say, Hey, like produce our event. It's like, no, we want to work with the future party and we're going to, we know the future party is going to add value with branding, with the people, and you're going to execute on a really great event. And so that's kind of been awesome for us. Yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, especially naming like these big events and mm -hmm. throwing uh, uh, something there that that seems like it's the, it's the way to go. Yeah. Uh, anything besides Art Basel that uh, you could uh, mention that is coming up? Yeah, uh, maybe maybe Tech Week, we'll see, um, uh, which I think a lot of people are, are there. I know you'll be there and maybe we can figure something fun out. Um, <laughs> You know, I think we are we're opportunistic in that, you know, oftentimes some brands will come up, will come out and let us know weeks, a month before these these experiences happen. But for us, our sort of goal is how can we show up at these cultural tent poles in these cultural moments? And, you know, so far, our audience flocks to the ones that I mentioned, you know, there are like some other festivals in between, but I, our efforts are really now for the next big thing is, is probably Art Basel. And then we've got some things in between, just smaller projects with, with different brands and companies. Is there something going beyond uh, the events and the newsletter and expanding the media exposure? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I have a philosophy that some of the best uh, media companies in the future aren't going to just create content, they're going to build products and services for their audience. And so, you know, another philosophy I, I say is when people talk about media, it's really just um, telling stories on different mediums, right? And so for us, the newsletter happens to be that medium, but we plan to do, you know, this, what, a lot of other media companies are doing, right? So soon we'll be doing podcasts, we'll be doing, you know, the TikTok videos, the shows and, and all of that jazz, because that's, that's, that's media. But one step further is how can we service our audience, right? 
we earlier were talking about giving them value. What are other pieces of value that we can give them beyond just saving them time? Maybe it's educating them. Maybe it's getting them jobs, so on and so forth. And so, yeah, we have a lot of fun ideas in the works, but I think right now I'm honestly just extremely jazzed to focus on internal excellence, mm -hmm. right? Like there's growth outward and, you know, scaling the business and creating new business models, um, which we love. But I'm just as excited to say, okay, we've gotten ourselves to this point in time. How can we make sure we're hiring the right team? How can we make sure we're creating great internal structure and processes? And I think that's the work that's actually going to take a business to the next level. And we have touched it at the beginning briefly that you mentioned that uh, it was not a full-time thing yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for you and probably for the others uh, on the team mm -hmm. for a long period of time. Yeah. When did it change? And I, yeah. Because I assume now, uh, you know, uh, it is a full-time thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, what was the breaking point? Yeah. I think for me, I've always had, uh, when it came to my profession, a little bit, I, I, uh, I, I was able to take a little bit more risk. And I think it was more of a mentality. You know, for me, I just had this insatiable drive to want to do more. And I realized that I can always come back to the corporate world. You know, if you have these skills, and I think a lot of people sometimes they, they honestly, they don't want to spend the time and do what it takes to be able to build something. Right. And so for us, you know, I, I got to a point where I just saw it working and I was like, okay, I'm young. You know, I can always go back to this. If anything, the more time progresses, the less opportunity I'm going to have to do this. If I'm tied down by family, age, whatever, not to say you can't be an entrepreneur and crush it when you're older, more so to say, in my opinion, it can be a little bit trickier if you have to think and provide for other people than yourself. 100%. And so for me, I was like, there's no time like the present. I have a safety net. I can always go get a job. So I'm going to take a risk. And I, I also advise if people are going to go do their own thing, like make sure you already have something going for you. Like don't just leave and then try to figure it out because you have to, you have to eat, right? You have to sleep. And so, um, the times when I had left, there was some level of this is going to work that whether it was money or attention before sort of diving in and doing that thing. And I think that's really important, but I think one of the issues is people don't want to take the time to moonlight and like work on your passion while you're at your job. So it takes a lot. Yeah. And I think that you have to find the ideal momentum to yep. do such a change. And I don't think that there is the right answer to it. Yeah. But I ultimately like hearing from people yeah. what motivated them to, yeah. to, to make the change. And for somebody, it could be, okay, I saw it uh, yeah. uh, uh, coming up uh, and coming to life. And yeah. that's when I pulled the trigger. For someone else, it could be, I just got that much frustrated yeah. uh, with the current situation that I just uh, yeah. hit, uh, hit the brake and uh, totally. had to do a change. It's, I think it's different for everybody. Well, I think I agree with you. And I, you know, rewinding a little bit, 
One thing that's really always helped me is looking at life from a bird's eye view. You have one life to live, you know, and regardless of your theologies or beliefs, most people might would probably agree that you cannot take the items that you have on this earth with you. All you can take is your soul. Yeah. And your soul is the experiences that you have. And so for me, I just want to have the best, biggest, most connective experiences I can have with my friends, family, colleagues. And I got to a point where I, I, in my spirit was like to do that. I had to go on my own way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, um, the reason we wanted to, uh, yeah. have you on the show yeah. is to, uh, explore, yeah. you know, uh, some of the new and up, up and coming stuff. Yeah. Because you're coming from the future party. Of course. And we want to know what the future holds. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's probably something that, uh, you are looking at every single day. Like, what are the new trends? What's popping up? And, uh, yeah, I would love, uh, uh, if you could, uh, name a few of these areas that, uh, that you see shaping up these days and then maybe we can dive into some of them a bit yeah more. yeah i mean there's so many uh i'll just talk out the top of my head and if there's anything you want to dive into let me know um you know obviously web3 is the name of the game right now um you know as lots of brands are entering that territory even with sort of the market collapse you know, being at NFT NYC and seeing the palpable communities, seeing the passion, I was like, this is not going anywhere. That, you know, I've been to South by and all those other places I mentioned. I have not seen the level of, uh, events happening. There are literally hundreds of events happening. No other festival that I've been to does that, you know, has a market like that. And so I'm just like, you know, there's a solid future there. Um, you, what's also a cousin of that, right, is the metaverse. Uh, I, a lot of brands are going to start to, uh, leverage that more as part of their strategies. You know, one brand in particular that I'm really excited to see, uh, that we were actually talking about earlier, uh, was Tommy Hilfiger. Uh -huh. They're going to do a fashion show in the metaverse for the New York Fashion Week with Roblox. And so they're, they're going to have their models both digitally and in real life go down the runway. And then after the, the show, you can purchase both the digital and the physical items, you know, and uh, that's a trend that we see from other brands like Nike and Gucci and whoever else that are really playing around with the metaverse. And so I, there's definitely a world where people are going to value the digital fashion just as much as the physical fashion. In fact, Nike as uh, another company doing that where they are selling NFTs of the shoes and you can not only own the NFT, but you can own the physical good, yeah. you know, the actual shoe. Uh, and that in particular is interesting because StockX is also doing the same thing. And that's going to be a whole issue in the future because, you know, if StockX and, and uh, Nike both create an nft of a particular shoe who who has the original nft which one do you use uh so we're probably going to see a lot there um i think there's going to be a resurgence to how people look at retail and urban planning um at you know as the future continues to grow i 
I think that our society understands that you can't just have one or the other. Of, uh, when I say one or the other, I mean digital or physical. You know, they're 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 both in tandem, right? The, we're not going to go into a future where we're fully in the metaverse or fully live. Uh, and what's maybe some people will. I mean, maybe there right? is always extremes, right? You, you never know. But it's cool to see brands experiment with what a, like a hybrid remote future might look like. So one thing um, that I recently saw is Best Buy is testing out stores that look more like the Apple Genius, you know, the Apple Store, right? Which is like smaller, more more tailored, you know, so on and so forth. And um, I think they're doing that in response to the amount of people that actually go buy physical items and what you need to do to actually get people into a store to purchase. It has to be an experience, you know, because we have Amazon and delivery and, yeah, you know, right. so I just rattled off a bunch. There's tons more, but stop, stop and, me. Uh, if you Yeah. The, like most of the times when I go to a, a store like that, it's to pick up something. It's not to look for things. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, so if the experience is nice, mm -hmm. then I'm uh, a lot more inclined to actually do so. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you you, you mentioned Web three. I will uh, I'll pick that up. Pretty much uh, looking at that space every mm -hmm. single day, and uh, also trying to do some things there. Um, but how does how does it relate to? Um, the future party community as a yeah. whole. Yeah, that's what I would like to uh, ask you if uh, you are thinking about yeah. bringing this to your community in certain way. Yeah, so we we are thinking about it, and the question is, how do we show up in the right way? Right, you know, because obviously we're talking about it, we're building events around it. We have relationships in that world, but how do we create Web3 infrastructure? It's a little bit more nuanced. You know, I think for us, we, were, we had thought about like DAOs, but DAOs, in my opinion, they're great, but the world doesn't necessarily need another social DAO. You know, I think DAOs really work when there's a, a mission mm -hmm. or an initiative tied to it, a goal. Um, those, those sorts of DAOs excite me. Um, NFTs, I think, are the easy way in for us. So, um, you know, there's obviously an idea of a PO app and leveraging the proof of attendance protocol to um, give people NFTs when they attend our events and experiences. Since we do them a bunch, um, we can create value there. Uh, we've talked about how to um, maybe integrate Web3 into our rewards program. Uh, you know, potentially uh, also look at NFTs in general, just like maybe we launch our own NFT and, and, and have that build community, you know, or, you know, we create so much content, we can convert that content into NFTs as well. I think for now, because I'm so focused on kind of what I was saying earlier, the internal excellence. Yeah. I'm being cautious about the right time to say, okay, let's now go build Web3 products because I want to make sure that everything we do is profitable each step of the way. Uh, and I think that's the issue is, is Web3, like if we're going to say, oh, like let's make our business Web3, it's like we don't want to do it just to do it's sake. I mean, sure, but like, 
the thing behind Web3 that we just need to all be honest of, it's it's an economic exercise, it's a financial exercise. People are doing it because there's a money opportunity. It's both trust and verification, but it's also ownership. And so we don't just want to be one of those guys who are creating things just to exploit the community, <laughs> because even if we make money in the short term, in the long term, it's really not, you know, so... Yeah, we're we're kind of just watching and looking for the right opportunity. Yeah, and I think that like NFTs especially are a great way to align a community and yeah. build the community. But when you actually already have a big existing community, yeah, I think it's a little harder to make sure that uh, all the incentives are aligned. Yeah, because yeah, you kind of have to start from the ground up. You know, I'd be curious if there's any case studies of people who had existing communities that then went Web3. I feel like most of what we're hearing is new communities from the ground up, you know, creating the infrastructure from the very beginning. I could be wrong, but that's kind of what I've seen. I think that there are people that are taking their existing following and mm -hmm. basically it's transitioning it into their communities. I think yeah. that's very common in the space. Yep. But these communities, they were not formal before, yeah. right? It was yeah. like mostly following of, uh, uh, yes. certain individuals. Yeah. Like but now they are actually forming yep. uh, a community that has a name yes and it has a yes uh, uh, like a definite number of uh, yeah. uh, people and yeah. so on no you're 100 right there are brands and and influencers and creators that are leveraging web3 to build new communities or maybe to catalyze the community that was already there but i think to understand that you know Sometimes we don't think about the difference between audience and community, right? Audience is when your brand is talking to your people, your readers, your customers. Community is when those readers and customers are talking to each other, yeah. right? And if that's not happening, it's not really a real community, you know? And, and I only define that to say, yes, there are people with big audiences who are saying, this is a great way for me to create community. Um, I think it's harder if you already have a community to say, now let's put what, like integrate web three into it. You just have to retrain everybody, you know? Um, yeah. And you have to also onboard everyone yeah. uh, on the technology, exactly. which is not the easiest, right? It's hard, right? man. It's hard. It's not easy at all. Yeah. But it, it seems like Web3 is uh, uh, one of the more prominent uh, yeah. topics of uh, the newsletter, in the recent months at least. Yeah, so, and we've, we've gotten that, but we're not a Web3 newsletter, right? I think the, the thing with us is we're always going to write about the forward-thinking innovation. You know, I actually think we were writing about Web3 before most people, and we only keep doing it because... That's what's happening, you know what I mean? But there's going to be something new that comes along, and our hope is that we'll be right there to, to tell you about this new piece of innovation. And we'll talk about it for as long as we feel that it's going to continue to help your business. Yeah, the same way I would say that Next Level Show is not a Web3 podcast, Yeah. but when I look at the uh, all the episodes that we have <laughs> recorded so far, mm -hmm. Web3 is mentioned to some extent, yeah, in the most of them, yeah, 
Yeah. And the reason for it is because it's the topic of, the, of, of today. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to talk about it. Yeah. Everyone is trying to grasp yeah. what it's all about yeah. and how it applies to their business. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I also don't want to be positioned of like, this is, this is a Web3 podcast. For sure. But uh, in the end, yeah. I tend to be discussing it uh, yeah. a lot yeah. with people because it's just uh, yeah, it's, it's just the world permeates, we live in. It permeates culture. It is it is part of our society and our buildup. And you know, we have countries making cryptocurrency their legal tender. You know, we have to be talking about these things, right? Um, but I I get excited at the same time right now is where's the innovation that's not in web three because everyone's talking about it my mind goes okay like but what else is happening what else can we talk about what else is is new you know so i'm on a quest to so to what, what are some of those uh areas uh you yeah think? i mean i think uh i think there's going to be a lot of unique things happening with like energy uh-huh. and the climate um you know, we're starting to see, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot more people talk about it. Uh, we're seeing the importance of energy even now as there's a raging war and, you know, in Ukraine and the geopolitical implications of oil and gas, you know, I was um, like, just before you got here, yeah. I was literally watching a documentary <laughs> yeah. on YouTube about, uh, you know, how China imports most of the oil and yeah. how the uh, powers are distributed and why yeah. they care about Taiwan oh, yeah. and, and, and all of that stuff. So I yeah. definitely see uh, the uh, the energy as uh, being uh, oh, yeah. uh, even a bigger topic, maybe more important topic yeah. of, of today than uh, something like Web3, which is yeah. uh, nice cutting-edge <laughs> technology. Uh, yeah. It's nicely connected to culture, but in the yeah. end, like if we don't protect the, yeah. the planet and if we don't have enough energy for everybody, yeah. it's going to be a big problem. Totally. I mean, energy, natural resources, we're going to have a water, water problem right now, especially in LA. You know, the water is drying up, you know, and it's it's cool to see different um, individuals who are trying to solve these things, right? And so I see, I do see a near future where climate and energy may be just as important of like a topic and all these different businesses trying to integrate and work with as Web3, you know, um, because it's it is a part of life and i you know the more humanity populates the earth the more it's important because we're running out of these resources these resources they are they affect again as we're seeing with the war this geopolitical landscape you know and so that is just so interesting um i think remote work is another area of innovation i think we're going to see how remote work is actually going to transform cities. You know I think, I mean? I think yeah. we already see that a little bit. True. We're starting to see it, but I'm talking down to like how, how roads are built. You know what I mean? Like we're, I, I, I just see a world of, of how, because people can live anywhere, 
our infrastructure is going to adapt to that mentality and that philosophy. And, and I, I think in retrospect, it's going to be even more aha. You know, like, like here's an example. I grew up in the States every summer, you know, going to uh, right before school, I'd go to Walmart or Target with my family. We'd go buy school books and all that stuff. And the other day I was looking at this, this ad for Amazon school. And so now families aren't even going to go like have that experience or go to Walmart or Target yeah. to get their kids stuff. They're just going to be like, oh, you want your pens and your folders? I'm just going to Amazon it to you. And my mind was just like, oh, my goodness. It's like, duh, yeah, Amazon does that. But when you really sit and like that ritual that I just spoke of. It was of, a memorable moment. Exactly. You, right? Is now disappearing. I remember that too. Yeah, exactly. You know, every summer for like 12 years or whatever, you know, uh, 18 years. And so... I don't know. It, I, I just love thinking about those sorts of shifts on our society and economy. Um, it's, so it's, when, it, when it comes to the impact on the infra infrastructure, it's probably going to take some time, don't you think so? Um, like when we, for example, take uh, the way how roads are built. Yeah. Yes, yes. But I think time is accelerated as we've had technologies. You know what I mean? Like... Um, especially when there's like goals and visions, like even for the city of LA, the Olympics are coming soon. We're already thinking about like infrastructure and like, you know, but yeah, eight, 10 years away. Um, so yes, but I think in the near term, there will be little behaviors that will probably impact more like retail and um, physical goods and businesses. Um, Yeah. And I think uh, probably the same way we uh, saw the rise of uh, the direct-to-consumer brands. Yeah, uh, we might see something on on this front too. Totally, with like remote work and uh, yeah, uh, the organizations changing a little yeah. bit and so on. Yeah, I think I think also we're going to see a lot of new stuff happening in the healthcare industry and the food industries for sure. I get really excited about um, mRNA technology and CRISPR technology. Um, wow. Okay. I just feel... Tell me more what you're thinking <laughs> when it comes to CRISPR. So, you know, with CRISPR, a lot of people freak out because they're like, oh, like, you can change the genetics of your baby and make them superhuman. And sure, I think those might be a little bit more nefarious and controversial. But no one's going to tell me that if CRISPR can literally cut out HIV or other deadly diseases, yeah. that you're like not going to be excited. The predispositions to, for example, diabetes and, yeah. and all of that stuff. For sure. But like, I think there's that. But there's also just like viruses, you know, uncurable diseases that you can just wipe out. Like to me, that's exciting. And we're seeing companies on a huge level create those technologies and it's fascinating and you know CRISPR is cool because that's the technology that can actually cure you and mRNA is cool to, you know because that takes our vaccine science to a different level you know where it's almost near being a cure because you're able to teach and train your ge genetics to yeah. do different things um And in that way, COVID, you know, accelerated a lot of this stuff. So I think that's cool. And then on the food side, uh, it's 
So there's two things on the food side, and stop stop me whenever I'm getting annoying. <laughs> no, it, it, it's super um, interesting. Yeah, there's two things on the food side. I think one we're gonna see um, robotic um, innovation here. Uh, I I I think there is a world in the next ten to twenty years where people who are so worried about foreigners taking their jobs are going to be worried about. Robots. robots taking their jobs. Uh, yeah. That's inevitable. It's inevitable. And already we're seeing things like Miso Robotics and other companies literally take away bartenders' jobs, pizza making jobs, hamburger making jobs. Like these are jobs that people need and robots are going to take them over. And so it's interesting to see that innovation and what that's going to do. And then it's interesting to see just the bioscience of it. You know, too. I think ultimately everything that is done on scale, mm-hmm. you don't want this done uh, by humans. Yeah, you still you still want like yeah. uh, you know the experience and like that's probably me personally. Yeah. But like, I can still appreciate a waiter or waitress in a restaurant yeah. if that's what I like feel like having that experience. Yeah. But uh, at the same time. If I just want to eat pizza, yeah, uh, I don't mind who makes that pizza. Yep, yeah, it's true, hundred percent. The question though is, as a as a society, do we replace those jobs or do we let that community suffer? Because you know, there's a big contingency of our world that will never do or want to do those jobs. And so we don't value them, but there's also a big part of our world where people need survive and thrive off of these roles. And so, what happens when they're wiped out? You know, like ultimately, the way I see it is that there's going to be other jobs, yeah. new jobs that yeah. will be created. Yeah. So these people can transition. Yes. It's not like you will be cutting them off and they have nothing to do. I think that. Uh, Uh, there will be new opportunities yeah. and uh, new things to do for people. Yeah. I, like for me, this is like super futuristic. Yeah. I know that you know uh, when it comes to uh, your newsletter, we probably can discuss that. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe like one day there is a situation when the majority of the people they don't work mm-hmm. uh, and they they do something else but uh, that's probably far away yeah well I think if, if uh, we ever get there so I'm fully in speculation mode right now like I don't we know we both are okay great so I I agree with you in theory that new jobs will be created but at the same time I feel like as humans We always give away a piece of ourselves for convenience. Facebook, we gave away all of our information for the convenience of being able to connect to other people. Our iPhone, we've given all of our, you know, information to, you know, privacy, whatever, to have this device. And I just think we're always going to want to be comfortable. So even if we create new jobs, we're always looking to disrupt those new jobs that we're creating. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so at a certain point, I'm just like, well, what are we going to do? And so I wonder if what's happening with TikTok right now is almost prophetic to uh, the future of what work looks like. I think if you really look at what's happening in our economy right now, people make money off attention. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? That's right. You know, that's right. You, it's the economics of I, I pay attention and so I purchase. And so I think there could likely be a world where a lot of Americans are literally just content creators, you know, meant to, to feed you attention so that the big brands can get you to purchase those things. I mean, I think obviously there will still be jobs, but like, it's just so interesting to see, like, what are people going to do? And by the way, so many young people now who maybe 10, 20 years ago would have said, oh, I want to be a doctor when I grow up or a lawyer are now like, I want to be a, a TikTok creator. Yeah. Yeah. And like, go 10 years back and yeah. look at how many uh, uh, creators like that were they? Yeah. And like, look at it today. Yeah. And like, you know, it's probably just the beginning of it, right? So yeah. I would uh, definitely agree with you that this is something that is on the rise. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting world. And so one thing that I love to speculate about a lot, you know, is I I watch I love sci-fi, so I watch a lot of science fiction movies, and I actually think a lot of the content that's created in a sci-fi storytelling way is very like visionary and prophetic in a way. An example, several decades ago, Star Trek was created and what are thing what are technologies that we learned about you know in with Star Trek that we now have today? Lasers, video conferencing, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean, maybe one day teleportation. Right. And so I, 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 I love to theorize on certain things because I, I believe that content storytelling tells us maybe a window in our world. And one sh uh, movie that I remember watching ages ago that has kind of always stuck with me is one called Elysium. Uh -huh. I don't know if you're with Matt Damon. Yeah. And it was a world where the elite lived on a starship in space. And the blue collar class lived on Earth, working within the factories. But they, they were even bottom of the barrel because there were robots doing a lot of the work. And I'm like, you know, that's the extreme. Like, you know, if we populate the galaxy. Maybe that's what it looks like. But it, it kind of is inspiring me to say what I'm a little of what I'm saying now. It's like, if we just keep wanting comfort, wanting profit, you know, then more and more the the people who are the hardworking, blue collar, you know, lower class, they're gonna be pushed lower and lower and lower. So I don't know, just my thoughts. There there are so many great topics I think that I could go on and yeah. on and on. <laughs> uh, and it seems like, you know, especially now like uh, towards uh, the end, seems like the uh, I, I really like the the topics that that you brought in. Yeah, I have one more. Yeah, um, and that's the word recession. Yes, I would love to know your opinion uh, on what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, how do you feel about that, and what do you think is the outlook for yeah. the next months and years? For sure. So I mean. A recession technically, right, is two quarters where the GDP is lower um, or, or declines. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and uh, I think there's a whole bunch of hoopla right now, whether we're technically in a recession or not. But look, we for the last 
three, four, five years have been doing a lot of things that would likely get us into a recession. But in everyone else's defense, there've been a lot of curveballs. You know, like the globe has been doing a lot of weird things, but I think two big factors that have kind of brought us here are one, the COVID, right? Because a lot of people lost their jobs, because we forced everyone to stay inside and then we printed a lot of money to keep everyone you know, sane, safe, fine, happy, healthy. But two, this war, because the war basically ex- exasperated all of the holes that we created in a, on a geopolitical level. Um, you know, supply chain issues, energy issues that we're talking about, um, so on and so forth. And so we are in one of the most interesting times I actually think we've been in in a long time. And I don't think if people, people even realize it. And, um, look, I, I think again, like the cream rises, you know, like it, it, looking at a recession from the lens of a business, if you're a business that creates value, then people are going to buy it recession or no recession. So to me, it's kind of like, sure, but how are you going to continue building products that people love, that people desire? And if you can do that, then rain or shine, your business will be successful. Um, Sure, you have to pay attention to those tectonic shifts because that might affect how you run your business. Like maybe you have to lay off some people, you know, to, to get the business to the other side, or maybe you hire more because you're going to be opportunistic. But, uh, history has said we bounce back from recessions. The curveball, I think, are these big things like the war where I have no clue. And we are at a point where like, it's not just any war. This is like teetering on the edge of a world war at a time where technology is the biggest it's ever been, and it could affect the whole world. It's a different game now. It's a different game. You know, like, it's not going to bounce back if nukes, you know, start flying. You know what I mean? It's not going to, it's not going to bounce back if, if we get hacked by another country or, you know what I mean? So it's like, those are the things that I think people are not really thinking through when we talk about a recession. It's like, yo, give us a break. The world is on fire. We have no idea what's going to happen, you know? So those are my thoughts. It's an interesting time. I have seen uh, one of your tweets uh, on Twitter uh, where it was mentioned that uh, the Wikipedia uh, for recession was updated uh, 22 times in the past uh, 24 hours. So uh, that was was funny. Yeah, uh, definitely. A lot of people uh, talk about it, and uh, yeah, I think I think that there is ultimately different opinions, and yeah. people uh, look at it uh, a lot differently. Like, um, are we in a recession? Are we not? Yeah. Some of the businesses are really thriving. Yeah. Uh, other businesses suffering. Uh, yeah. Little or suffering a lot, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, we all agree that uh, it's a very interesting time. Yeah. Uh, boy, I could, uh, as I said, uh, go on and on and on. Uh, it was a very uh, interesting conversation. 
I would definitely like to uh, do it again yeah, in, uh, let's down. say, six months or yeah. in a year. Because I think that's going to be inter interesting to, to look, happened, yeah. look back and say, okay, we talked about that, now it's here, yeah. and so on. But uh, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love, I love chatting, so let's keep building. <laughs> All right, let's do that. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please follow us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And we'll be thankful if you leave us a review. That's it for now. Till next time on The Next Level Show.